politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm the host of the show. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking the show out. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back and continuing to listen. The show is available on the following apps. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you listen to the show using one of these apps, please click subscribe, and this will allow you to receive notifications when new episodes are uploaded. You can also listen to episodes on the show's Facebook page, which can be found by searching for Let Me Bend Your Ear. Episodes are also available on the show's YouTube channel. Just search for Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. This podcast covers three different topics, politics, sports, and movies. Each episode is dedicated to one of these topics. You can also follow the show on social media. The handle for Twitter is at BendYourEarPod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you want to email the show, the email is BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. If you're not using a podcasting app to listen to the show, you can always get episodes directly from the website, which is located at www.letmebendyourear.com. Welcome to a new segment of Hidden Horror Gems. I'm Neve, and I'm here talking about some of my favorite horror movies from the cult classics to the lesser known indie flicks. Now, as well as my love for horror shown in the show, I also write for my true crime blog as well, uh, crimeinmypocket.com, covering various types of true crime from all over the world. Now, you can keep up to date with the blog as well by following me at following me on Twitter and Instagram at crimeinmypocket if you want. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about the 90s slasher classic, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and its sequel, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, so this is a little bit of a double episode. Now, we'll start with the first movie. It was directed by, Jill, by Jim Gillespie and the screenplay then written by Kevin Williamson, famed for some of my other favourite movies, such as Scream, the Scream franchise. He literally wrote one through four. Uh, Halloween H2O from the year 2000 and The Faculty from 1998, as well as a ton of TV shows, uh, some notable mentions, just ones that I sort of recognised. There's Dawson's Creek and The Vampire Diaries. Now, just uh, just a quick spoiler warning. I know these films came out in the 90s, so that really shouldn't be a problem. You know, they're not full of twists or anything, so there shouldn't really be an issue. But just a quick warning, there will be spoilers in this as well. So if you just want to watch out for that. Now, the first movie, it starts with a small town celebration for the 4th of July weekend in the fishing town of Southport in North Carolina. And we meet our four main characters. Julie, who's played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, Helen, who's played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ray, who's played by Freddie Prince Jr., and Barry, who's played by Ryan Philippe. I think I'm saying that surname right. Now, as they enjoy the night with a pageant that Helen wins, and then like just a small town party with what looks like their classmates as they uh, they start talking about their futures, I'm guessing they've just graduated high school and everything. Now, after the party, they decide to head to the beach to drink. Now there they start telling ghost stories and one in particular about a killer with a hook hand which foreshadows the events then obviously to come in the movie. 
Now, when they leave the beach, they get into an accident and hit a pedestrian. Now, they realise they may have killed him and debate on what to do because, obviously, they've been drinking. They probably shouldn't be driving and everything. Um, in the sequence that follows, we see a witness drive by seeing Barry's car stopped. It's Max, played by John Galecki, uh, Leonard from Big Bang. And he's argued with the group like earlier on in the evening and although this this is minor it does frame him for later on now and as they're wondering as you know he's you're left wondering whether he did actually see them do something and and obviously you know whether he, he he's the one terrorizing them later on and further on as the body is thrown in the water it's revealed the man is still alive and as he struggles, he takes Helen's crown. Now, they're trying to roll him in. He manages to struggle, grab her head, and take the crown. And he takes it down into the water with him. So Barry dives in, not wanting to leave any evidence or anything, and grabs it off him. And as he grabs the crown out of his hand, the man's eyes open suddenly. Now, as I said, in both of these happenings, you're left wondering, you know, which, which is actually going to come back and bite them later on. Is it Max, the potential witness who may have seen them and knows what they've done, seen them hit the pedestrian? Or was is the fisherman alive? Is the one they threw in the water alive and, you know, he's going to come back and get revenge? Now, I'll just uh, give a quick rundown of my favourite scenes from the movie. Now, the first being Barry's murder. It's during the pageant for the following year. Um, Helen's got to hand off, I think, a crown or something to this year's winner. It's, it's that type of thing. I don't really understand pageants. But um, he watches from the balcony. It's where we actually saw him first appear at the start of the movie, where he was watching Helen enter the pageant from the previous year. And I, I just loved how dramatic this got because Helen was the first to see the killer come up behind Barry. And I think she cuts across someone when they're doing their singing segment or something. And she's making this really, really big scene. And with it being such an event like that with so many people, it adds to the drama because she's just making a scene and they're not the crowd isn't exactly processing what's going on. They don't know whether it's a joke or what she's making a scene about. And this adds frustration because, you know, the guy's being killed. The audience can see him being killed. But obviously the people there can't. And it gets further added then because by the time Helen gets help with an officer, um, there's no sign of a body, there's no blood or anything and nobody believes it so this adds to the frustration of that nobody has actually seen the killer and he's obviously free to do it again now the next and it's probably my absolute favorite in this movie uh it's a scene that follows the previous one um as helen is taken home by the police officer who went looking for barry now as he's driving he cuts across an alleyway where he comes across like a stop truck now, he leaves the car and he locks it for Helen's safety and leaving her in the back. And as he investigates the truck, he's ambushed by the killer. Now, he's being killed, stabbed repeatedly, and Helen is watching desperately from the back trying to escape. And it, it doesn't end there. You'd think, you know, she's in the car, he's going to get her. She manages to escape and runs from the killer to the store we actually saw working at the start of the movie. It's a family store and her older sister Elsa is there look, uh, locking up. Interestingly, Elsa is played by Bridget Wilson, who is in House on Haunted Hill. Now, she screams at Elsa to lock the door, lock the door. And obviously, Elsa goes and does this. She could see her sister coming in screaming. But as she does, um, the killer emerges from presumably an unlocked side door and kills Elsa again in front of Helen and chases her then to the second story of the store. 
And she eventually is trapped and has to jump out of a window into the alleyway in order to escape. And she lands on a pile of tyres, so she's not particularly injured, and manages to scramble up, and she runs. Now, you think she's got away at this point because the killer's got to come down, you know, come down the stairs and get out the building and get round to the alleyway. But he manages, he does manage to catch up with her and eventually kills her in the alleyway. And with her screams, just, just being drowned out by the 4th of July parade crowd that's going past that moment. And it's, I, I really, I like this scene. I consider it one of my absolute favourites because even after all these years, every time I watch it, I'm filled with just stress and anxiety because it's so tense. It's just such a long and stressful chase. And I think to evoke that sort of reaction from a viewer, it's exactly what a movie like this wants. It was the perfect dramatic teen slasher death. Now, the final movie, the final scene I want to mention in the movie um, it's probably one of the very last scenes in uh, the movie where the, you know they've they fought the killer, everything's over, they've gotten help, and everyone then realizes there is a killer. And the police approach Julie and Ray, who now look like they've reconciled and they've gotten back together, and ask whether they know why they were targeted by the killer. And both sort of deny knowing anything about why he was after them in the first place. Now, although that's it's pretty unremarkable, it, it just sort of always makes me chuckle because at the beginning, during the accident, it's those two characters that were the ones who wanted to tell the truth all along, who thought it would be the right thing to tell the truth. But, you know, after everything they went through with it, losing their friends and everything, they they decide that the accident is going to be taken to their, to their grave now. Potentially as honouring their friends, maybe, but they're definitely keeping the secret. Now, these days, I, I know the I, I know what you did last time as a cult following, with many speaking fondly, I mean nostalgically about the movie. And as of 2019, it is the sixth highest grossing slasher. But upon its release, the, the critic reception was actually mixed. As as of as I mentioned, the screenplay was written by Kevin Williamson, who also wrote Scream. Now Scream actually came out a year before. So naturally, there were a lot of comparisons between the two films. You know, they, they were the same genre and the same writer. It came out a year apart. Now, this was the comparisons were both negative and positive, with some reviews saying that I know what you did last time I was inferior to Scream, with others then, with one actually calling it um, a smart, sharply drawn genre of film with a moral centre and a solid cast of young actors, implying that, you know, they feel this film actually adds to this new genre of teen slasher movies now personally the i know what you did last summer movies are a favorite with me uh it's i think it's everything you'd want and need from the slasher genre of the 90s and, and i'm gonna come in high with my rating part year and give the first installment of the movie a 4.5 now um next we'll i think we'll just move straight into the next movie um i still know what you did last summer uh, it came out the following year, this time uh, written by Trey Calloway and directed by Danny Cannon, TV director. He's known for CSI, CSI in New York and CSI in Miami, Shameless and Gotham. Now, this movie picks up sort of a year later and the first scene, it shows Julie entering a church, a confession booth and confessing about the accident and the events of the last movie. As she confesses, the priest jumps out and is actually the killer. 
Now, as he attacks her, she wakes up and is actually in class. It's revealed that it was a dream. She's still suffering from nightmares from what happened. And she's actually now away in Boston at school and has made some new friends. And the first being Will. He comes out and comforts her after after a, uh, after she leaves the class distressed after a dream. He's implied as being like a new love interest. And the next is Carla then, who's played by Brandy. She's the new female best friend with uh, with Julie. And it is revealed that she's still with Ray in a long-distance relationship. Now, Carla wins a trip to the Bahamas over the 4th of July weekend. Now, Julie intends to take Ray as they have four tickets, but they've argued about uh, about her refusing to... But as she phones to tell him, they argue about her refusing to come back to Southport for, the, for that weekend. And um, he hangs up on her and we're left unsure whether he is actually going to go. Now, over the course of the day, he chats to his friend, changes his mind. Him and his friend decide to share a car and go up to Boston for Ray to surprise her. Now, but on the journey, he's attacked by the killer. His friend is killed and he's hospitalised after having to jump down the cliff in a chase with the killer. Now, we see Julie, Carla and Carla's boyfriend wait for him, with Julie believing he's stood her up. So she agrees to give that spare ticket to Will. And they leave for their island holiday, unaware they're soon to be trapped on a near-deserted island because it's actually off-season. That's why the ticket, tickets were free, probably. And it, they turn into sitting ducks for the revenge-filled killer. Now, I'll uh, I'll talk again about my favourite scenes uh, from this movie. Now, the first being the radio competition. Now, Julie and Carla, they're obviously phoned at random. It's one of those uh, radio things. And they're asked to name the capital of Brazil. And they say Rio de Janeiro, which is incorrect, but they win anyway. Now, I like this because initially you think it must be just an oversight. It's a common mistake to make. A lot of people think it's Rio and not Brasilia. See, I know. And you think it's just an oversight because, it, like I said, it's a common mistake. But you realise later on that scene was actually a clue to the fact that girls were being lured into a trap. Now, my next favourite would have to be Ray's attack at the start of the movie. Uh, it was a nice callback to the first movie showing the fake body in the road with Ray being like, no, I'm going to do the right thing this time. But as he notices it's fake, it turns it turns into like another stressful chase scene, almost identical to Helen's as he watches his friend murdered, unable to do anything and has no choice but to try and outrun the killer and then obviously jump and injure himself quite badly. It's It adds to the suspense of the movie as a whole as well for me, I think, because you know at this point the killer is back, but there's no way for him to warn Julie uh, and the group. So the audience is left watching in frustration as they just get ready to go to this island. Now, lastly, I also like the last scene on the island. As uh, the Coast Guard stuff has arrived, Julie and Ray walk to the dock to meet them. They find Carla. Now, we were left not really knowing Carla's fate earlier on, as she, I think she sort of falls through a glass house and we're not really sure whether she survived or not. But obviously we see her, she's alive and she reunites with Julie. And she jokes, she says, oh, let's not tell anyone it rained the whole time, okay? And I think it was a nice sort of comedic relief through the sort of cheesy joke. I love my cheesy jokes. And I, I just found it to be a nice scene in in the movie, a nice unexpected scene in the movie. Now, I still know what you did last summer. It, it didn't do well with the critics at, at the time. It actually holds a 7% approval rating and holds a 3.3 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes with critical consensus reading 
The film was boring, predictable, and bereft of thrills or chills. I still know what you did last summer is exactly the kind of rehash that gives horror a bad name. Now, I do have to disagree with the critics here. I'm I'm not saying like, the movie was some sort of cinematic masterpiece or anything like that, but they were also in the sort of teen slasher category of horror and were aimed at a teen audience. So as, as a fan who grew up with these in my teens, who, you know, who they were aimed at, I enjoyed them and I consider them to be a good, I consider this to be a good horror sequel. I would actually say it's one of my favourites. It's up there with Scream 2 and Halloween 2 in terms of horror sequels. And I'd even say against, against the idea that all sequels are bad for movies in general, I'd say I enjoyed it as much as some of the iconic sequels that people seem to like, like Toy Story 2, Terminator 2, or The Godfather 2. And, I mean, based on that passionate defence I had reading the critical response about, uh, about I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, I'll also give this one a pretty strong rating. And I'm going to give it a four out of five. Definitely. It's uh... Now, that's it on this segment. And once again, I'm Neve. I also write for my true crime blog, crimeinmypocket.com. And you can also follow on Twitter and Instagram at crimeinmypocket. I'd also like to say thank you to Let Me Bend You Your Pod for having me on once again for this segment. And hopefully I'll be back for you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or any other app, please take a moment to rate and review. This is a quick and easy way you can help the show attain a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts. Another way you can help raise the profile of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or you think a friend might like it is to share the episode on your social media. This is another easy way to help the show reach a wider audience. The podcast is available on the following apps. Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. The show is also available on both YouTube and Facebook. Episodes can also be downloaded directly from the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.